Hello, I'm Michael Swaim, and welcome back to Tales from the Pit. This is your trigger warning. In today's episode, my guest Vanessa Gritton and I discuss dating and relationships through the lens of mental illness, specifically bipolarism, addiction, depression, and relapse. It's even more fun than it sounds. But before the interview, a new short story written in honor of my own most recent relapse. Hope you like it. Serenity Prayer This story concerns a thinking animal very much like you, from a long line of thinking animals very much like you. Where he came from, the earth, a whole lot of things happened that didn't really concern him or even his forebears for a very long time. But one day, there started to be animals like him on the earth, and they started thinking a bit, and they got it into their heads that they ought to be doing something. So, they embarked upon a lot of construction projects and a fair number of destruction projects as well. They were like a whole bunch of ants, and they stayed pretty much that way for what, on the cosmic scale, is a very short time indeed. Then one day, sometime later, which as I say, on the cosmic scale, is almost the very next day, or even the next moment, this whole mass of thinking animals invented rocketry and adjacent industries and technologies such as the O-ring and the A-bomb and other things. And they left Earth to sort of see what was around out there. And boy, did they ever see. It took a fair while, but eventually, the ants from Earth, who called themselves humans, bumped into a lot of other thinking animals very much like themselves in key respects and shockingly different in others. There were a lot of wars and treaties and things like that, but eventually, everyone in the universe pretty much knew everyone else, or were at least cordial with the creatures in their own galactic backyards. You can imagine that took a lot of doing, and a fair bit of time, and it did. You can imagine that made for a whole lot of thinking animals, census-wise, and a whole lot of lives, all dependent on one little universe. And it did, for a short time if we're speaking on the cosmic scale. On the cosmic scale, you could say it was merely late afternoon on the day that humans first grasped the concept of I, that the thing happened. The thing is all you need to say, because it's just the thing. There are no other things since that thing, and it was a real there-goes-the-neighborhood type of thing, if you know what I mean. Bad stuff, from a thinking animal's point of view. It's now commonly believed that The Thing was an unfortunate collision between this universe and a parallel antimatter universe that was thrown off its time-space axis and became briefly, but tragically, quantum entangled with most of the matter particles in our own. No one knows for sure, though. A lot of the thinking animals that survived wonder how the other universe fared. Some pray to Ray Bradbury for guidance and protection, she being worshipped as a five-faced goddess now in many places. 
Arriving at a scientific conclusion isn't likely, because so much of the fantastic technology all the thinking animals had made together had been smashed into tiny bits by the thing, and so had most of the thinking animals who knew how to fix them, and even most of their notes. It also smashed or otherwise led to the destruction of most of the planets and stars and stuff like that, Earth included. And that was mostly it for the universe. Although not for the individual lives of the few survivors. Those limped along at the regular pace, which proved difficult for many of them. It might have been nice if the show wrapped up all at once, so to speak, but time has bad timing sometimes. The animal our story primarily concerns is a human, and by virtue of that fact, very much like you to an almost impossible degree. He has a penis, but he easily could not have. He has a bunch of ideas and opinions that could have been the opposite without a lot of changes made to the grand scheme of things. He's employed in work that seemed conducive to his survival when he took it, and that kind of thinking guides most of the stuff he does most of the time. He's sad, but so are most thinking animals since the thing happened, so that's not so unusual. His DNA and yours, DNA are the plans the universe uses to make babies, are 99.5% identical. So maybe this will interest you. Bert, which is his name, works in deep space. He lives on a ship called the Ninth Requiem, but during his shift... He floats around in a spacesuit and collects, catalogs, and identifies all the tiny bits of technology and art and crap that's floating around now since the thing. The surviving animals of the universe decided that even though most of it was busted, it was probably a good idea to track down some of that stuff in case it proved useful or edible. It was something to do. So lots of them did it. On Bert's ship, There were 148 thinking animals who all did the same thing, although none of the others were humans. That's because diversity was such an asset on this sort of job. Without any way of knowing what the crew might chance upon in the next cloud of crap, fielding a crew from many different planets and species increases the odds that someone on board might know what the hell a particular piece of junk is or does or has printed on it or what its value might be to a thinking animal in the situation they all now shared. Efficient ideas like this became vital after the thing, with so few resources left. And Bert's ship is very efficient. So none of the 148 crew are of the same species, nor can most of them communicate with any other one without aid. Communication would have been difficult anyway, as about half of the thinking animals on Bert's ship communicate by disturbing sound waves in the air, and there isn't any air on the ship. In Bert's spacesuit, which was specially designed for thinking animals of his species, the air is perfectly breathable. But with 148 different kinds of animals, all of whom, if they even respirate, learned how to breathe in conditions particular to their planet of origin, and so might choke to death in a minute if they were huffing Bert's stuff and vice versa, it's easier just to never take your suit off. So Bert never takes his suit off. No one does. The suit handles Bert's various bodily functions in a clean and efficient way, puts him into a deep sleep when he wants to sleep, rouses him when he wants to wake, 
and even translates multiple forms of communication so that he can effectively work with the rest of the crew when he needs to. The translation feature requires a monthly subscription fee, which gets docked against your earnings as a picker, so Bert keeps it off a lot of the time. You can also earn translation time by letting the suit play advertisements. Bert has it turned off now. Because Bert has his translator turned off, he's not sure what the globulus who calls itself Brip is trying to say by swinging its third appendage in a circle and emitting a mottled purple glow, but he gets the gist. The gist is always the same at meetings like this, regardless of what exactly it is in the life of each thinking animal that made them feel the need to come. Some lost family due to destructive and repetitive behavior patterns that they couldn't seem to change on their own. Some alter their consciousness via exposure to a particular spectra of radiation found abundantly in space and so need help navigating the company's drug policies. Lots of them were sad about the thing or wanted to talk about the thing, or never wanted anyone to ever bring up the thing ever again. Some of them just like to hear themselves talk, or see themselves gesticulate, or smell themselves emit, whatever the case may be. To Bert, their problems all seemed very fresh and exotic. They bore vibrant crosses. He felt old and gray, and his problems felt like a pile of rags encased in cobwebs in the corner of a garage, and the garage was on earth, and earth blew up. Anyway, everyone's got problems. We're all in the same boat. And although it usually feels good to reflect on that fact, today Bert feels sour, not much like listening. An acquaintance of Bert's that looks like a tree had a baby with a brick of jello makes a series of supportive chittering noises by rubbing two branches together, and he knows that the meeting is over. He doesn't stay to chat or catch up with anyone, even though others do, and he often has. Bert would rather save the fee, and he feels like being alone. His suit chimes and flashes various notifications onto the bubble of his visor, and he lets his eyes unfocus lets it all become a neon wash as his body takes him by reflex back to his berth. There's no gravity on the ship either. Everyone likes their gravity different, and it's too expensive anyway. But Bert knows the route through the cramped, scaffolded corridors quite well. The planet that Bert was born on, Earth, had ceased to exist half a lifetime ago, from his point of view. It had had its own sort of rhythm, its own sort of style and swing to its orbit, as all bodies must. And this galactic waltz took Earth around its star once every 365 days. Days being defined as the time it took for Earth to twirl itself once around on its axis, like a pirouette. No one else on this particular ship knew that, or would have cared if they did know. Bert usually liked to dwell on the similarities between himself and the other thinking, fearing, striving animals still knocking around the universe. But right now, it seemed important to him, very important, that 365 days made a year. And it pissed him off that no one else cared. No one else in this quadrant would even know what he was talking about if he had said it. Oh, you know, Brip, 365 days make a year. Did you know that? the sticky orange glow of confusion would be sure to follow. Bird is alone in his birth. 
His suit is strapped into a little cocoon of netting, keeping him from floating around too much. That's all the berth really amounts to, aside from a backpack the size of a small cupboard, which floats freely in the chamber. The outside of it has the texture of a beach ball, and it's see-through, so you can see what's inside and grab it from the proper angle. The inside holds Bert's personal effects. The backpack automatically fills in the negative space around them to keep them safe, so you can pretty much just jam stuff into it or pull something out of it whenever you need to, unless it's full. Bert's is full. He won't be able to claim any more of his salvage as a keepsake until the ship stops at a station to resupply. The backpack lolls around the room, bouncing lazily off of one surface, then the other, as Bert watches it. Bert gets very sad and very angry all of a sudden. It's hard even to know where the feelings come from. 365 days make a year, thinks Bert. Fuck it, thinks Bert. What's the point? Lots of things like that. Bert's suit sends him a hot pink notification, letting him know it's time for him to eat something, if he so chooses. The suit offers an extendable mouthpiece and gently suggests that he hook his intake hose to the food box on the wall of his room. He dismisses the notification. In fact, he turns all the notifications off. Bert jams one arm into the backpack and takes out a piece of salvage, something he found out in space in a cloud of crap. A keepsake. It was something from Earth, something once very precious to many humans very much like him, but now meaningless in the grand scheme of things. A hollow rock, essentially. A sculpture of sorts. It shines under the light, little raised bits picking out single pricks of pure photon and pinging them back at Bert like a jeweled crown. That's why he collects them, Bert tells himself. That's why the backpack has filled up with them, find after find, cloud after cloud, seemingly of its own accord. It's full now, and each member of the collection is strikingly different from each other, but essentially all the same. His glass menagerie. Bert's collection is old-fashioned. These are truly antique things, forgotten things, like that play, The Glass Menagerie, like Earth, like Bert and Bert's problems. Antique problems. Antique jewelry in a box. Bert turns the thing in his hand, swimming pool blue and faceted and beautiful. But it's just a hollow rock. That's what Bert is telling himself as he uses one of his disposable vac bags to pressurize the space around the hollow rock and translate its contents into the bag. Then he carefully stuffs the vac bag into the proper position in his food box adapter dongle and plugs the dongled bag into the food box intake port. The portal that separates Bert's little closet from 147 others suddenly hisses open. Bert jumps in his little cocoon, surprised and embarrassed. He immediately realizes there's no need for embarrassment. His friend, the gelatin tree, finding Bert's suit unable to accept doorbell notifications, has gone ahead and opened the door to his room, probably to talk to him about something. Although Bert loves this thinking animal, in his way, and they've communicated at length during their voyage or in free float out in a crap cloud, he resents the intrusion. Right now, Bert wants to be even more alone than floating in a cocoon in a tin can in deep space. Bert wants to be even more alone than that. What is it, Ernie? 
Bert calls his friend Ernie, because that's a joke to him, based on human history and culture. The gelatin tree's real name isn't communicated by disturbing air, but through the emission of bands of light, an ability Bert lacks. So he calls it Ernie. Ernie doesn't know about Bert and Ernie, or that 365 days make a year, or what's in the vac bag, or any of that stuff. Bert reminds himself of this. His embarrassment settles down, and he toggles on his translator. Can we keep it quick, though, says Bert. I haven't gotten called up in a while, and my ad debt is getting pretty ridiculous. Ernie causes some symbols to rise on the gooey surface of his front face, and Bert recognizes one as the symbol for shift or unit of work in Ernie's people's language. Bert snaps the dongle off of his bag and tangles it all up with part of the strapping on his cocoon so the loaded vac bag doesn't drift off. After a delay, Bert's suit translates Ernie's full thought for him. A soothing voice in his helmet says, Well then, it's your lucky day, asshole. The fucking computers picked up human goddamn writing on a lot of objects in this cocksucking crap cloud we're working. It's a triple-decker shitstorm and you're the fuckface on top. Bert had set his suit to translate things like that, with lots of optional swearing thrown in. This was another joke to Bert. It was something to do. Bert toggles his translator back off. He doesn't want to run up his ad debt any more than he needs to, but a crap cloud with a rich vein of earth junk means he could be picking and sorting for several shifts to come. Good news. He could use the credit. Bert makes a sign with his hand that Ernie has learned means, Thank you so much, we are friends, but I don't want to use my translator right now. Then Ernie chitters back and schlorps out of Bert's room. Bert turns his visor display back on and immediately sees the work invite and answers it yes. The visor reminds him that he hasn't eaten in some time and that picking work or any deep space work can be dangerous on an empty stomach, disorientation and the like. Bert taps on his vac bag and watches the small bubble of empty air inside divide and struggle to find which way is up. The bag is filled with clear liquid. Bert's visor chimes. His invite has been accepted, unusually quickly, and his shift countdown timer has begun to spin. He'd only get prorated pay if he doesn't hustle to the outhole and start picking. So he does. As the two small drones carry Bert from the outhole to his assigned patch of crap cloud, and this one is a real shitstorm, he observes, a class 8 with plenty of diverse particulate, he can see dozens of other creatures like him picking through the debris in their suits. One of the workers, closely resembling an elephant-sized tardigrade, swims along suitless, partnered with the sentient gas being, as usual. The gas cloud travels with and around the tardigrade, whose name is Alice, giving her some matter against which to push, propelling both of them. Show-offs. Those that do wear suits seem to flash sporadically as they reflect floodlights from the Ninth Requiem. Their glass-like visors, variously shaped and as numerous as their ocular organs are, glow, in many cases, with a vid stream or ad stream if the worker in question is sloughing off some debt. Bert sighs and turns on his own ad stream semi-opaque overlays encouraging him to trade work hours for various amenities spring into life before his eyes. He can still work, but it's annoying. A little counter in the corner lets him know he's currently 64.5 earth hours from earning back an ad-free work environment. Another little counter, a custom one Bert put there himself, 
reads 364 days. Demarcations are meaningless, thinks Bert. Just then, one of Bert's drones detaches with an inaudible jolt and returns to the ship's outhole to await more workers. The second stays with Bert, who prefers a drone to working in a pair. It's not that he's antisocial, he just gets more done that way and saves on translation. The drone zooms around, scanning bits of crap and sometimes using laser pointers to bring things to Bert's attention. Bert does his best to ignore the ad stream and emptiness in his stomach and outside his suit and inside his skull. Instead, he just catalogs. A whole bunch of wrecked burned stuff, city block-sized chunks of rock, some useless bits of what he's pretty sure was a Taiwanese satellite. He sinks into his own rhythm, the swing and pace of work unique to his body. Twelve minutes later, the drone lasers a circular shape, rotating in space, highlighting it. Twelve minutes being, of course, in the grand scheme of things, on the cosmic scale, literally no time at all. Meaningless demarcation of meaningless time in a unit so infinitesimal so as to be non-existent, thinks Bert. In fact, Bert would have missed the disc if the drone hadn't taken an interest with its laser. Now it glows dully red in the laser light. Amidst a veritable oort cloud of silhouetted debris, Bert has difficulty determining how large it is or how far away. All he can tell is that it's a circle, probably a disc because it ellipses out that way as it rotates. He tells the drone to go ahead and grab it and bring it over. Things that are perfectly geometrical are usually made by a thinking animal and could therefore be valuable. Circuitry, medicine, who knows what. It wasn't far away. It was small. It was a chip, like a poker chip. It even has earth writing printed on it. It even has Spanish printed on it, which was Bert's native language back when there had been a place for him to be native to. Language is another meaningless thing like that, thinks Bert. His hands start to shake as he turns on his shoulder torch. A bunch of scribbles that only mean anything because the thinking animals alive during that sliver of time agree that this symbol means that and that symbol means this. Meaningless meaning. The beam illuminates the chip as its surface swings back into view once more. A waxing moon. Bert cries in his suit. All translation aside, here was some print, a set of symbols imbued with an ancient meaning by a dead race that Bert alone can read. Not have read to him by a computer or copy down to translate later or intuit through trial and error. This was script in his language, the language spoken by his mother and father at home. All he needs to do is scan his eyes across its surface and he'll know everything he needs to know about the object. So he does. No one else on the ship could do that. Not with this object, it would be meaningless to them. Here, buried in the middle of the universe, is a secret code meant only for Bert. Bert's drone asks the standard catalog queries. Object description? Small circular object, says Bert. Human made. About 10 centimeters across, maybe half a centimeter thick. Component materials? Petroleum-based plastic. That's about it. Homogenous? Technological capabilities? None. Artistic value? Minimal. Intended function or usage? 
miscellaneous, I guess. A, a tchotchke. Define tchotchke. A token. A keepsake, like a trophy. Just a thing to remember something by. Estimated usefulness to the CTA and our efforts on a scale from 1 to 10? The CTA is the cooperative of thinking animals. Everyone left in the universe, really. Minimally useful, says Bert. One out of ten. Discard or recover? Discard, says Bert. The drone's laser flicks away. It floats off to hunt for more worthy scrap. Bert's visor chimes. His timer has gone off. The other timer, the one he put there himself. The number 365 appears momentarily, then changes to read simply, One year which is the same thing it says on the chip, un año. Around the rim it says unidad, servicio, recuperación. And in the middle, in big friendly print, are the letters AA. Bert plucks the chip out of the sky and it becomes his. That's all, that's the whole story. part of this conversation. Would you show him this? You're like, no. Then he would go, why did you show me yeah. this? <laughs> yeah. Because then he'd be like, why did you show me this half-baked script? And you're like, uh, for a friend of mine. Really? Well, they're not really friends. I, I don't know why. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how you never know, though. There was a script like that that Abe and I felt really not good about passing on, but did. And... It got picked up and that movie came out this year. Escape Room. Really? We read the script and we're like, this is so bad. It sold and we can't sell a movie. So I guess I was like, I guess the script was good. No, 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 no. As soon as we heard the idea, we were like, that will sell because of the idea. Yeah. But when we read the script, we were like, no, it won't because the script is so bad. So I think what it proved to me is, no, it really doesn't matter how bad the script is. It's the if, idea. If the producer hears the idea and goes, ka-ching, like, they're going to buy it. that script. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll put a writer on it to try and make it better. Like, I haven't yeah. seen it, but I can't imagine they went with the original draft that the guy wrote. It was garbage. So, like, I'm, anyway. I oh, no, I did it to myself. Usually I record and trap other people, but I <laughs> entrap myself. <laughs> Uh, right. I'll, I'll cut this <laughs> but yeah i will say though now that who's top now pewdiepie hmm? now that pewdiepie is number one i'm oh, like yeah at least smosh weren't fucking monsters yeah they weren't like that wasn't white so supremacists. bad i should have been fine with it just being a mediocre sketch troupe now it's yeah. a white supremacist damn it yeah the worst he's ever done was accidentally i mean the worst the smosh guy the one that's left has ever done is just accidentally hit me with the door like three times Oh, okay. Three times. But you believe it was an accident all three times? But all three times. Because okay. I'm really good at standing just close enough to a door that I'm like, that somebody's going to open like this and hit fault. me. And then yeah. every single time he's apologized, and I'm like, all me. Maybe you're good at psychic manifestation of whatever you're <laughs> thinking about. Maybe it only happened because you thought it would happen. Because I was just secretly hoping, like, man, yeah. I wish somebody would just peg me with the door right now. You got smashed by Smosh. Uh, <laughs> the Smosh Smash. All right. You ready to go? <laughs> and now you're one of their writers. Yay! Pay raise. (laughs) Ready to go. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another Tales from the Pit. 
I am here, as promised, with Vanessa Gritton. Thank you so much for... I'm going to say having me because we're at your house this time. Yeah. Yeah. This is super convenient for me. The pit is portable. People haven't known this before, but I can take my bottomless pit of self-loathing, grief, and despair and pack it up for handy, you know, Yeah, it's like those those holes in Roger Rabbit that you can like fold up and put in your pocket and throw in a wall. Exactly. They're they're TSA compliant. Yeah. (laughs) I I can actually, there's a bucket version where I can just paint a big black spot (laughs) on your wall. And you get sad looking at it because I just yeah. lowered your property values. Um, well, <laughs> welcome, <laughs> Vanessa. And uh, I uh, people will by now have heard my introduction, although for one of the first times recording it, I don't know what the introduction will be yet. So I, w- I shouldn't have referenced it. But what are we talking about today? Uh, we're The thing that I really wanted to talk about, because it feels like it's the most pertinent mm-hmm. thing, is... Uh, I'm single again and it's never been more evident that I am a person that's trying to date and also dealing with mm. bipolar and just a whole, yeah. whole lot of baggage. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so maintaining relationships while we struggle with all the things yep. that the pit throws at us, but specifically bipolarism. Are you yep. diagnosed bipolar? Yeah, I'm diagnosed bipolar. Okay. I'm bipolar type two. Uh, okay. What's that mean? Um, that means you need the insulin in the mornings, right? That means I need the insulin in the mornings, and then <laughs> and you cry I have at a, night. <laughs> and I cry at night, and then there's a pump that I need to push on anytime I'm considering buying an ice cream truck and attach me to live in, because that's actually happened. Uh, wait, wait, that you thought about it? Or no, that I like I was it. gonna do it. Uh, it was I was 22 and freshly separated, and usually big life changes either triggers an ex- like a very extreme manic or depressive episode and the okay. wheel this time that time around was like mania and i saw an ad for an ice cream truck in Tehachapi and i was like i can convert that into a house and live in it and then just went and <laughs> i like expressed that idea to one uh-huh. of my siblings and they're like cool i'm calling mom uh, oh, oh. <laughs> and and, like, uh have she- you seen into the wild <laughs> exactly you're gonna starve to death in a field vanessa in an old <laughs> ice cream van surrounded by a hell of your own creation <laughs> yeah. and so my mama drove to that emu farm into hatchapi and was like don't buy that ice cream truck and uh, it was an emu farm it was an emu that's farm. about as fanciful as self-destruction can get that's the most fanciful mania can get yeah. as opposed to like oh man i just blinked and i'm five thousand dollars in debt what happened sure uh, right oh i can't imagine Mania and a gambling addiction would probably clear you out pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Mania and addiction have in my life before just been like the worst dance partners sure. uh, that tend to fuel each other. And it's interesting because uh, the last time I was single, I was 22 years old. And the time before that, I was 18. So mm-hmm. it's always happening at like very big intervals mm-hmm. of life changes because at 18, the last time I had gone out with someone it was a prom ask at (laughs) 22 (laughs) it was freshly single and young and everything seems so interesting and i'm like i'm still young at 27 but it's also a very different age and a very different dating pool Mm. and it feels different and i didn't even realize it until we were about to record today this is also my first time being single and being sober off of my drug of choice oh okay Uh, which is it was if i may ask for like two years it was cocaine okay and uh it was it, it was very much the zero to 60 thing where i had i hadn't tried anything when i was married and then was when i got not, divorced it was all of it at once was that what did 
was the mania not enough? <laughs> like I was, or I feel like cocaine and mania ha- overlap. The feelings probably overlap, or is that not true? They kind of piggyback. So each I've other. only taken cocaine once, and it didn't really hit me. Like I maybe didn't take enough, or I don't know. Um, and I haven't been manic. I, I'm only depressed when I'm anything. Uh, but yeah, as a layman, I'm like, I would think someone on mania cocaine would make it too much or is there no such thing as too much mania like does it just in the moment it's not too much in the moment it's like uh because one of the things that goes hand in hand with mania is delusions of grandeur we've so... we've interviewed uh biba pickles yeah uh came on the show is the only other person we've interviewed who struggles specifically mm-hmm. with mania and she was saying that she doesn't recommend bipolarism but it but mania does feel good good sometimes. it feels great sometimes okay. yes when it's sometimes <laughs> if mania is uh still holding hands with depression then right. it's just like i'm really sad but really intense about it mm-hmm. uh but when it's just mania it's like oh i'm a superhero i only need to sleep two hours a night uh because yeah. when you're manic you don't need to sleep mm. uh and i'm getting all this work done but am i doing it well i don't know okay. i feel great yeah and <laughs> like at, at the peak at the peak of mania, you can't recognize that you're not actually doing as well as you think you are. Well, and I know that's true about Coke. Like, yes, I'm not going to drop names, but there are mutual friends of ours who had yep. Coke periods. And I am a very curious person, so I pick their brains about it. And something that always comes up for writer friends is it becomes impossible. You don't know when the Coke wears off. If you'll read the 30 pages you wrote and go, I did it. I really did it. Or what the fuck was that? What is this garbage? It seemed so good last night. In the moment, you're like, this is the best idea I've ever had. I'm going to be I'm going to be the next great screenwriter. Move over, Jordan Peele. It's me. (laughs) And love me. Validate me. (laughs) It's like this is the best thing I've ever made. And everyone who doesn't think is great is stupid. And like that's mania. And then when you add cocaine to that, it's like I'm God. Uh, (laughs) And like it's it wasn't until i was sober that people were like no you were not as prolific as a writer as you thought you were in that moment uh you were also very annoying uh because you also think that you're more like charming and interesting and and you're not you're just not shutting up well you're currently a brilliant writer at the risk of i don't want to be be like (laughs) the coke worked you got to go back to the coke vanessa every single person but it's not that you are a brilliant writer so but like when you're in the thick of it, you're like, I can't do it without this. Yes. But it's not, you're not putting out any quality. It's just straight up just output. Uh, most of my friends I know that were also deep into the thick of it were like, I'm a better performer when I'm on it. Or I'm a better writer when I'm on it. It's like, no, this is just a very easy way to get sure. the tools that get you would get. get the energy and a pinch. Yeah. I know it used to be a cliche in like the 50s and 60s mm. about heroin. It helps me yeah. write. Yeah. <laughs> it really just uh you know it uh it helps it helps bring out the creative end of me and uh, just no no better organized writer than someone deep into heroin it's just interesting yeah because my drug of choice being alcohol uh it does not make you feel that way or you don't no. you don't feel more capable you know like when i'm drunk i go yeah I'm, i drank a poison that made me less capable you're aware of that as you're yeah. drunk yeah it's interesting a drug that actually like gives you confidence i don't think i've had many of those um, yeah that's why it was real hard to kick and is really new being single as an adult for the first time without it well congratulations thank you but also i i gotta ask early in the episode because we're gonna move into deeper topics 
just interests me. Tales from the Pit is a good chance to like ask things I wouldn't be brave enough yeah, to yeah, ask yeah. outside other social contexts. I uh, f- didn't know for sure until you just confirmed it, yep. but like guessed that you'd broken up yep. from social media osmosis. Yep. <laughs> and like we're, I really like you and I think we're on the road to becoming very good friends. Yep. But I think you'd also say like, yeah, we just took a shine to each other maybe f- five, six months ago. Mm-hmm. We've hung out a few times. So I was like, should I contact Vanessa about this because I am the type of friend who like once I'm in your life I am supportive I do reach out right and I was and you reached out to me very touchingly at a time when I was really struggling but I was also like but she didn't post that she broke up or tell me she broke up and I just want your honest opinion like would it be isn't it weird that your friends know you broke up just by like following you on Twitter and like (laughs) guessing like, well, she said this and he said this Mm. and they said them at the same time. So they must be, I guess they broke up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It like we did. It was a weird, it was a good breakup. It was like the best breakup I've ever had. It was the healthiest ending to like the healthiest relationship that I've ever Mm. had. Uh, He's like a very good and kind person, but, uh, and we did the, post about it on facebook mm. very oh, like, okay I um missed. we I see wa- then if you miss the one post yeah. you don't know yeah. exactly because we didn't i didn't want i personally didn't want to do the twitter one because anytime i like kind of mentioned that i'm single there's always like someone in the comments <gasps> is just like are you okay uh, i didn't even think about the thirst aspect yeah. <laughs> oh man it's been <laughs> nuts for the last few months but we did the thing on facebook just like asking that people respect each other's privacy yeah. and that the that it's over but we still like are very fond of each other because mm. we are and we still talk but i think you hear the reason- that kit harrington she right. wants you back oh man come back to me kit. <laughs> but in addition to like doing the actual facebook post i think the reason i hadn't really done it anywhere else or reached out is one of two factors one i'm awful at the reach out mm. when i really need the reach out i never do it and i i'm slowly trying to train myself how to be like help i'm very sad yeah. uh and i haven't quite mastered that yet uh and the other factor being i am 27 years old and mm. i am now two major relationships ended under my belt and it was something i wasn't super psyched about acknowledging at that point in my sure. life yet where i'm just like oh a marriage and a five-year relationship down the drain <laughs> oh damn it yeah it's fortuitous we did this today because uh jen just caught me with some bottles and that mm. may end our relationship Yikes. so yeah it's it was like i was like the one of the only upsides is this is the perfect topic for yeah, to talk about is. right now <laughs> because i'm 33 but there's a non-zero chance that a week from now I mm-hmm. will have a marriage and a divorce as well as a six-year gone. <laughs> One where yep. uh, she fucked it up and I had no blame whatsoever. And then this one would be I fucked it up. So it's like, all right, one fucked me up. I fucked one up. Maybe yeah. I should not do this. <laughs> like, maybe I'm not good at this. That's what I've been asking myself <laughs> yeah, for the yeah. last three months. I know, right? Like, ever since February, I've been like, am I just bad at this? Should I just yeah. not do this? Am I just, right. am I just like a, like, do, am I like one of those plants that you can't plant near other plants because then something <laughs> happens to that plant? Am I just supposed to be alone in my right, own little right, pot right. of my own little windowsill and other plants can hang out for a little bit? And but, I, yeah, and I think it is really hard also when you're someone who does get a lot of, uh identity and and fulfillment out of your work yeah because then i don't know there is that voice that says 
Could that could that be everything for you? Could you just do that? That's what you I like work. Myself. Yeah. Yep. Could that be enough for the rest of your life? <laughs> Anytime it gets quiet, that's the thought that pokes in where it's mm. like, maybe it's just you and your career, kid. Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just going to be you and your job. And, and your this... inner monologue that calls you kids. So you feel like another person. Is the there. one that feels like <laughs> yeah. kid slugger, uh, you call little buddy, slugger? Champ, champ, tiger, all things that I call myself. Nice. Scout. <laughs> Scout. <laughs> like anything a little league coach that I dreamed of having, but I didn't have because I was bad at sports <laughs> sure, would call me sure. is what I call myself. Uh, so it's just kind of like, well, kiddo, there's a, there's another, another, another human being moving boxes out right, of your house right, now. Right. Uh, this is now your uh, third rodeo with experiencing this feeling. Yeah. Uh, and for the last, I think month, it's just been, well, I'm good at work. <laughs> Right. Yes. I haven't tanked work the way I have loved no. before, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like you're a highly functional addict as well, as am I. Or yeah. Like, yeah, I can do all. I can do. That's actually problematic. Yeah. I can drink a lot every day and still do my job great. Like do a really good job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which is actually bad. That's the thing about being high functioning too is that nobody really thinks anything's wrong because you're productive. Because they're like, yeah, he did. He turned all his work in on time. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No deadlines weren't met. Um, I mean, no deadlines were not not met. So I guess she's fine and not. Because that's all we need from her as society. Basically. What can she produce? Yeah, and. Because of that, I tend to slip under a lot of radars where it's like, wow, you've gotten a lot of work done. And it's just like, cool, I haven't slept for a really long time (laughs) and I've been grinding my teeth for 10 minutes. Uh And like I knock on wood, haven't like relapsed this time around, but I can feel how this is a point in my life where it were to happen. It would be now. And Mm. which is why I'm trying so hard to be careful because I, I keep thinking like, all right, well, this end failed, so I cannot fail in career things. And for career things, I need to be awake and I have to have energy. And oh, what? No. Oh, nope. <laughs> not going right, in that direction. Because that's also being constantly on the <clears throat> edge of I cannot fail. My yeah. career is all I am. What happens if I that can make you go like tip into your Deep addictions into that. easily. Yeah. Really easily. Like I never watched Marin's show, but when Kevin and I were dating, he would watch it and I'd see it in the background. And there was just one scene uh, where I'd never... WTF or... The, um, uh, does he IFC have one? a show show? He had like a show show. Yeah, I don't even know. See, yeah. I'm not a Marin head. <laughs> I had no idea. And Kevin was a big Marin head. And like, I think he's... I wasn't as into him as he was, but there is one specific scene where I saw it happening in the background and I had no context, but just the scene on its own just like broke me. And it was... He was... I the think gorgeous it was like a ladies Xanax of wrestling or, just right. really get hit you in the feels. <laughs> it was the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. He was snorting something. Uh-huh. I don't know if it was like a Xanax or an Adderall yeah. or something, but he like snorted something off of a table and then looked at his assistant and his assistant was like, what are you doing? And he's like, a lot of people are depending on me right now. And I was like, no. ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what this scene is, but it just spoke to something I did not want spoken <laughs> sure. to. Yeah. And, uh, it's the thing that even though I don't even have any context for the show replays in my mind whenever mm, I find mm-hmm. myself in that place where it's like, oh, this is going to make a very bad thing for you in your life. Very tempting again. So maybe right. you pump it back a little bit. Okay. But I haven't. But. But so far, things, so good. As so of far, this so recording. good as of this recording. But like as things ramp up, I'm very quickly trying to figure out. All right. How do I properly tell the people in my life when it's time for us for for help when mm. that happens because i've 
circled the drain before and not reached out and I don't know how to build those tools for myself now and especially not being in a there's not a person that I can go home and like collapse to and be like uh today was awful it's like well houseplants (laughs) I've been sober for three years Mm -hmm. congratulate me why aren't you patting me on the back like the person that was here used to I Uh, have leaves instead of hands I know shut up houseplant Okay, so you've been is yep. sober for three years. Yep. Then let's sort of delve into how this intersects with relationships. Yep. Because if I'm following timelines right, and I may not be, it doesn't sound like it's a clean one-to-one, like, my manic depression ends every relationship, or even my addictions end mm-hmm. relationships. How do you feel... Uh, Because, yeah, full disclosure, the way it works, audience as the guest helps hone in on a topic. So you didn't just want to talk about manic depression. You want to talk about how it interrelates with dating and relationships. So, yeah, part one, before we get into like what dating is like, which I think will be a separate thing. Do you think that your struggles with illness and addiction were part of the recent relationship dissolving or other relationships dissolving? Or is it just part of who you are and the relationships are, you know, unbreakdownable because they're complex, beautiful, fucked up flowers? I mean, (laughs) they're all kind of fucked up flowers. But I think the main thread that I'm starting to realize through all of them is how much unchecked and unresolved shit I have. Okay. Uh, Because I'm starting to realize what the common denominator is for pretty much all of them except for like one standout one. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is just there's a lot both with bipolar and addiction and just general baggage that I was like this will never come up again so I'm gonna tamp it down and I'm gonna never address it ever again and then it bubbles up in a relationship and I'm like that's that's not why we're not working. That's not why. It's definitely... Mm -hmm. Oh man, I've yelled a lot. Uh, it's <laughs> oh, sure. me. Uh, and starting to realize that because I've let a lot of these things just grow wildly and unkempt, I my interpersonal romantic relationships just aren't working. And I, the factor is me. The factor is that I haven't addressed any of these things. And then I just assume that they'll go away with love and not something that I should be working on on my own. That really resonates with me. I also think it must be said or common wisdom that seems true to me is it can't only be you. There's dynamics are by definition. uh, You know what I mean? Yeah, but also it can't only be me, but also I'm not setting some good boundaries either. Sure. Like I'm telling people what's acceptable and then telling them it's not acceptable. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That can be confusing. I can see that. Where it's it's for a year. (laughs) It's like. Oh, I will absolutely be your surrogate mommy. Uh, and then another year it's, how dare you yeah. <laughs> lean so deeply into this thing that I not only allowed, but encouraged. Right. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's me realizing, oh man, I think I have a lot of the codependency issues that my mother had where you uh, make someone feel like they need you and then you get mad at them for needing you. I'll just say either partner. Yeah. The power imbalance where one becomes... Even if you want to take it out of the like weirdness of like Oedipal or like mm. incesty, like it's not even related to your literal parents, but <laughs> the partner who's like rises a, sort of above in the power structure and becomes yeah. the one who's like, 
I don't have to remember that because they'll tell me if I forget because they tell me what to do. Yeah. Like if I forget to clean the thing, they'll tell me and I'll go, oh, okay, yeah, thanks, honey. And I'll clean the thing. I can just depend on them for that. Yep. If I have a bad day, they'll be there, et cetera. Um, And I step into that role and then I resent it. (laughs) I don't think that, I'll just say, I think that's really common irrespective of Mm. like any kinds of other issues. Um, also another touchstone of this show is that everyone has at least one of these issues. Yeah. Um, and we all pretend that there's people out there who are like perfect and like we <laughs> imagine we'll one day be them, yeah. but everyone is imagining that. It's like you just get <laughs> yeah. to function and just like have a relationship for more than it, four years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So I feel like that's definitely real relationship shit. And I just want to validate you around like. I don't know. That can happen. You don't have to like be on coke for (laughs) to have that dynamic. That's a very common thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So how do you deal with, it sounds like part of it is just becoming more self-aware, which has been the journey for me too. Um, And it sucks that sometimes you only really connect dots when you're like, like you have to hit a rock bottom moment and go like, Oh, I won't make that mistake again. And then you never do. But you make a different mistake for six years. Yep. And then that has to fall apart. And you go, okay, so two mistakes I'll never make again. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you wonder how many more iterations before you learn all your mistakes that you tend to make. Yeah, I wish I can learn. I, I see people where they could just like learn these lessons by watching other people make mistakes or oh my God, making yeah. like smaller versions of it or looking at something and saying this is going to be a bad idea. And I wish I could save time and do that instead of living it for years yes. at a time. <laughs> and then being like, why didn't I learn that entire time? Why, why did it take it being over for me to be yeah. like, oh, that's what I should have done? Well, uh, do you have a very or did you? when you're using have a strong voice in your head that is aware of that because i had that like when i drink Mm. i have a pretty chipper voice in my head that goes this will be the consequences of doing this it's a bad idea you're still doing it that's a thing but it is good uh, if you keep doing this this will happen okay i guess it's gonna happen oh it's happening now now i'm in that moment that i predicted a thousand times yep it's come to pass yeah every time oh okay with everything that i do that voice is there saying no this is bad and you're like this is a bad idea and i'm like (laughs) i know and then i just do what like now that it's not uh, now that it's not substance abuse, mm-hmm. it's literally everything else okay. where it's like, hey, this situation ship that you're entering with someone is going to be very painful for <sighs> you and you're going to get very attached yeah. because you're manic right now. And when you're manic, you fall and you fall hard mm. and you know this is a situation you entered where they're not available and they told you that they're not available and they made it very clear. So don't enter this. <laughs> I'm doing it. You're going to become <laughs> I'm gonna a stalker. It. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Or it's one of the, or it's like, uh, hey, this is a situation where it's the reverse, where you're not available in any way, shape, or form, but you haven't said that. You like that they like you, and you're leaning into this, and it's going to be a bad situation. the conversation where you say, I don't actually like you, you should stop trying, will get worse and worse and worse. The longer you wait, the worse yep. that conversation will be. Yeah. Yeah, or even just, hey, you're giving way too much of yourself in this situation. Maybe go home and take a nap. No. Sure. Uh, and so now that it's not substances now it's hey kid this one's gonna hurt i know you're gonna do it anyway yep okay but i have seen incremental improvement in my own mental state from and it's incremental it's like at least that voice is present (laughs) because 
you can't increase the frequency with which you listen to that voice. Yeah. By like a statistical amount. It just takes a long time and practice and you get better and better at yeah. it. Or at least that that's what I've found. Um, I'm very good at uh, telling other people when a situation is unhealthy. Are we all? And myself. Sure. But not acting on it. Right. Yeah. Like I'll look at my phone and be like, don't answer. Hello? Yes, come over. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. Well, yep. you're in a dating mindset, so that's different. Yeah. I just have a knee-jerk reaction. I can't believe anyone ever answers the phone ever for any reason. <laughs> I hate talking on the phone so much. <laughs> it fills me with like existential fear. I don't know why. There's something about not being able to see the person's body language that... I yeah. think it's because I am extremely sensitive to others' view of me to the point of reading into everything they do, wondering if this yeah. person likes me or hates me at all times, even strangers I interact with. So on the phone, I'm like, they sound nice, but if I could see their body language, what might it reveal yeah. about how they view my position in society, which exactly. is so weird and stupid. <laughs> um, okay, so you mentioned, because you talked about picking up the phone, calls, yep. thirst traps on Twitter. So let's move into your current life, the dating life. <laughs> how is that going? How is, I have like both questions. How does manic depression impact dating? And vice versa, like, has being single impacted the level of manic depressive episodes you're feeling or frequency? Or is that something that's sort of always with you, irrespective of situation? Oh, that's always with me. Like, I think that's one of the reasons I knew I wasn't borderline, because my manic depressive episodes just happen and they don't happen in terms of, like, around relationships. Right. Because uh, that's one of the big factors and how they're different, even if I'm not if I'm happy in one, if I'm unhappy in one, if I'm happy out of one, if I'm unhappy out of one, it's just happening. I don't fully understand borderline. I do want to do an episode eventually. It's hard because <clears throat> it's rare that someone will be like self-identify. Like, yeah, mm. I have borderline personality disorder. I'll come on the show. Yeah. Um, it's Because it has such a stigma of like, oh, you have asshole syndrome? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Borderline and bipolar tend to get confused for each other a lot. Okay. They're very, they look very similar. And the easiest way I can help some people figure out what how bipolar is different is usually borderline is either exacerbated by or revolves around interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. And with bipolar, like, I could be manic next to a tree. I don't, yeah. I don't, it's not directed at anyone. It just exists on its own. Are you either now? Do you feel that you're in a state now? Uh, right now, I feel like... Because you're a consummate performer, so you would hide it if you were. Yeah. But I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done a self-check in a few days, sure. which makes me wonder... If I'm anything right now, it's probably manic. Okay. Because I haven't been sleeping a lot for the last few days, but I don't really feel it. Uh, and, But I will say I'm listening to that voice more, so maybe I'm not that manic. Because sure. when I'm manic, it's it doesn't either... Manic or depressive, I'm not listening to that voice. Yes. And the fact that I'm like kind of listening to it right now and my phone is face is down and away from me <laughs> sure. is a good sign. But the lack the lack of sleep and God knows what's going to happen after this uh, mm -hmm. episode if I'm like actually going to do my work or be sure. like, here's a fun way to procrastinate. What if I like uh, just do the opposite of that and then just like throw myself back into something I shouldn't throw myself into? Mm -hmm. uh, 
could happen. But I'd say right now, if I'm anything, what I might be like calls? a little manic. What if I pick it up and say, hey, come over. I don't feel yep. like working. What if someone, yeah. Or like, uh, what if there's like a sudden project that I'm going to say yes to sure. that I shouldn't because there's no money involved in it and requires a ton Oof. of work on myself. But I already have a ton of things on my plate, but I want to make someone happy. That's my life. Yep. It's now or never. Yeah. Because I just want to <laughs> please everyone. So I'll say yes to everything mm-hmm. and then just like kind of half do it because I've said yes to everything else. Right. Uh, I've. I it's like feel... how you're phoning it in on this podcast appearance because exactly. you didn't really want to do it. That's okay. <laughs> I can I can accept that. The fact <laughs> the fact that I'm like just doing this is actually very relaxing because it's the first time in a long time since my breakup that I've like done just one thing. Uh, okay. And I think that's a coping strategy that I have that is not a good coping strategy, which is put everything on your plate so you don't think. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because then it's like, oh, I'm producing what? For how long? Mm-hmm. How many things? Cool. I don't need sleep. And then... Uh, or thoughts. Or thoughts. All thoughts can be about the show. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All thoughts will be... Ju- and then people, are, once again, are like, oh, man, you're so productive. And it's like, I'm avoiding something. Right. Yeah. It is amazingly effective if you like your work. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. kind of like being a carny. Uh, like- Jen was li- like that night recently. Jen was yeah, like, I, this might be the end. Like, I don't know if I can handle this. And of course, I'm like feel like devastated and like Mm. hollowed out inside and in shock. And I had to record podcasts about a very silly movie, um, like two hours later. And I was like, I should cancel this. I'm not going to be able to like, I feel like, but I got to say, and I don't know what this says about anything either way. I might just be too good at compartmentalizing. But as soon as like, Abe and Robert came over. We started talking about the silly movie. I was like, yeah, movies are fun. This is yeah, fun. I do the it same works. thing. It really works. It works. And I don't know if it's healthy or not. Like, I don't know if it's me just not. It makes me feel like, am I not giving anything? enough gravity to the thing that just happened? How yes. can I be laughing right now? The amount of times that I can tell you what happy-go-lucky thing I did after some horrifying <laughs> <Right>. tragedy. <laughs> yeah. Like, la- literally last night, a friend of mine was like, yeah, it's weird. You're like devastated when you lose a key in the hallway Mm -hmm. but like he saw me after i had to bail a parent out of jail okay and uh he was like yeah you just did your same goofy stand-up and then you're just like how's it going man and he's like i didn't know (laughs) how to be there and it's almost like i overcompensate for the feelings but i like leak too hard on the smaller Mm -hmm. things because and then when you're not doing anything it always comes back full force full force so i was like it's like rollover I was minutes like, i know the podcast is done you guys want to hang out though yeah and they're like no we gotta go i was like all right take care oh my god my life is over like it turns <laughs> so instantly so yeah i totally get that you need distraction constantly yeah. at all times to not realize life is shit uh all right this is getting too pittish i mean <laughs> yeah like i could definitively say and i'll say it with like a weird smile because that's mm-hmm. how so some of my friends have learned my tell for anguish. When you really uh, are hurting. When I'm just like yeah. really through it. And it's unfortunately also a funny tell. It's, really, it's dying my hair. And I was going to be like, oh, no, Vanessa. No, no. You're always in anguish. I'm always in anguish. <laughs> I sound more like an Orange County bro the more sad I am. 
<laughs> I know. You are wearing a Thrasher magazine baseball hat as we record. I'm going through like the more I lean into that, it, uh-huh. like the more I dress like a little twelve year old skater boy, or the more I like keep saying like, "Oh man, things are hella chill," you know. Like uh, I've had like a gnarly like the more like, that stacks up. Oh like, no, 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 we're not seeing each other, but it's tight. It's tight. It's yeah, sick. Yeah. Everything's it's, fine. Yeah. It's it's super <laughs> like the more I sound like that, I think it's just like a def- sure. I didn't realize it until somebody pointed it out, and they're like, "We can tell you're going through." The more you sound like a kid named Tyler (laughs) and I think it's because I like grew up in that area oh you're psyched for tonight Vanessa oh my god Vanessa's depressed you guys (laughs) (laughs) that's their tells like it's like you've used hella in the last 30 seconds so much and I think it's because I'm trying to make things like funnier or sillier Mm -hmm. and I'm just like really reaching for that overcompensation you're like oh I'm having grip of suicidal ideations guys I need help (laughs) I need a grip of help it's like I need dank nugs and to be 5150 now (laughs) and the last time that I was like really into it and you can like look at a series of photos where I was like really leaning into Mm -hmm. it where it was just like the summer both of my parents went to jail and like my parents lost their business. So then I became the sole provider for both of my parents. And like then, uh, the episode's not about this, but I'm just going to connect two dots and make one guess. If it's wrong, we won't go further. So fraud of some kind. I don't know. Oh, you don't know why your parents went to jail. The thing is, that's a whole nother episode. Well, it's, it's, there's a lot of charges. Okay. Okay. Uh, it could be one of them. Sure. Uh, I know some of the charges, but not all of them. Because when you're sitting in a courtroom uh, bailing out both your parents out of jail, you're just like in a fugue state the whole time. Right. Uh, and they haven't let me see a lot of the they're papers. They're embarrassed. They're, they're not letting they're not, you in on it. Yeah. Okay. But like, I, mean, I have natural. to be in the courtroom for a lot of it when it comes to just like, right. hi, I'm the one that's pay- paying for their freedom. Uh, yeah. And uh, like... Especially all that happening while I was in a relationship at the same time, it almost made me like resentful of his very good family. Oh, uh, oh, that he had like yeah. a good family. Where it's like, oh are man. they very good? Are they like annoyingly wholesome? Family? Oh, they're so lovely, like lovable. E- Fuck them. Like <laughs> our first year of dating, um, unfortunately, his father passed like the week that I was going to meet oh, him. Yeah, and so I met them all at the same time, and there are wonderful Mm -hmm. they're like his great-grandmother was a suffragette there he's comes from like just a long line of like powerful amazing women and like Uh very understanding men and they're all like good to each other and their christmases look like norman rockwell paintings and nobody's been to jail multiple times or like weird addictions or like grandma you ever get depressed i don't know what that no yeah like i always feel assertive and full of love for all things it's like great good for you oh your grandmother (laughs) died peacefully in a home mine died alone in an asylum in el salvador like like if you you can you don't have to go that far back into my it wasn't until i started doing comedy and i heard what other people think a fucked up family is that i was like Oh my god, I have a truly fucked up family. Yeah. Like everyone's like, "Oh, my family's kind of fucked up. Like uh we drink and we fight over risk." And it's like you 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 didn't have somebody allegedly throw someone else into a volcano? What? Like, <laughs> okay. Go far into the bloodline. I'm sorry, but it's the details. Fucked up on both sides. It's so deep. Not even the fucked upness. <laughs> Anyone who's it's awesome. I'm sorry to make but like Anyone I come from a long line of Batman villains. Anyone whose family history includes the word volcano. <laughs> like where a volcano is even an item you have to have involved in the story. Like, well, if I'm going to tell you about Uncle Chet, 
are you familiar with magma? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good story. Yeah. <laughs> like, she, or he's just like, oh man, my uh, uncle got like a little too drunk during Christmas and he dropped the mashed potatoes and it was like, sure. Oh, that, that sucks. Anyways, I have to go spend another one of my work checks on another sibling that did something horrible uh, and bail them out of it. So I will catch you for dinner later, honey. Uh, Yeah. And I know some truly fucked up families that yeah. I think match that, but I've just never stumbled across a volcano ever in any of these stories. You're There's like, two volcanoes yeah. in my family history. One involves one pushing someone else in and the other one involves somebody staring at one too long and going blind. But that's something. That's not like your family's fucked up. It's like uh, oh, you're, you're all dummies. <laughs> like you're kind of dumb. We're all dummies. The but also like, of that. <laughs> but also like I'm the only one somehow without like. A deep criminal record. Uh, do do you feel that a lot of people in your family struggle with mood disorders? Though is yes. that a, okay? Like you're not alone in that. A lot of us do, and a lot of us refuse to acknowledge it. Like I know, just do crimes instead. They just <laughs> do fill like, that hole. Crimes or substances or the crime part more than anything is uh, a lot of us did not have like a good entry into life, so it's very mm. much just like born into it. Uh, like I don't want to get Bane here, but no, but <laughs> it's true. I think it's fair to say, unless you're talking about like Paul Manafort fucking murdering God. millions of people, but low level crime yeah. almost co- always comes from like a history of deprivation gives you that instinct. Yeah, uh, you got to survive. You got to get the thing. Yeah, laws I, are not. I mean, because you've seen the law broken to oppress you. So yeah. why do laws? You know exactly. What I mean? yeah. It's like why do laws if it's been like things that have like kept us down forever exactly. and we're all like. We're, we both my parents come from like deep poverty in third world countries mm. where it's like you do what you got to do and yeah then you just like hope nobody ever really looks into it and so they very much wanted differently for me but what ended up happening was just I am now like the Ray Donovan of the family <laughs> where it's like all right what's broken and what do I have to go yeah. and fix they're like do you see how we gave you a good life yep. pay it back now yep yeah fix like all of our you're lives you're in debt forever <laughs> yes. so then I'm the one where it's just like all right I guess I could throw this entire check that I just made into getting this person how are we related to all right cool I got you out of jail uh or yeah. I like showed up and I like cleaned up this mess or is in jail you now have to pay for that for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I, or it's like, hey, you have a cousin you don't really know, and they're downtown, and they just got into a bar fight. Can you like hide him for like three nights? And it's like, so oh, they don't God. get another. It's gonna be their third strike. It's a whole thing. Can you just help us out again? Yeah. yeah. And well, how does that? So you say manic depression doesn't is not usually triggered by events. But from that, it is. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what I was gonna say. How do you get that call and not get triggered in some way? In either direction, <laughs> yeah. it'll either be like depression for a few days, and then like whoever my partner is at the moment is just like, I don't even know where to start with this. Or it'll be manic, and it'll be like, Are you okay? And it's like, yeah. I'm fine. And then a week later, it's like, Why did you know I wasn't fine? Yeah. And it's a lot for, especially when someone comes from like a good, supportive, or like non insane family it's a lot for them to deal with because they don't really know not a lot of people are equipped for being there for someone for that kind of thing and yet i think they're in the minority or i've had a very unique group of people i know in life but i like i think most people have if not a truly fucked up family at least one or two major traumas that when they tell you you go whoa that is rough yeah um 
And when you do occasionally meet someone like your ex or Soren Bowie is legitimately like this, even though it's also his comedy persona, it is true. <laughs> I had him on this show for an episode called Stable Genius because I'm fascinated by people who, you know, like I looked him in the eyes once and was like, but have you, I described depression as clearly as I can elucidate it. Mm. And I was like, out of curiosity. And he's like, no, I've never <laughs> felt what you just described at all ever for yeah. a second. I can't imagine feeling like that. And I'm like, that's weird. You're the weirdo. Yeah. Not me. That's fucking weird. I will say <laughs> Kevin did go through issues of depression. That, okay. Like, so we're going to say did bind us. Fine. Uh, sure, he, yeah. He's fine with it. We're both super. I'm sure he's fine. But like, he's gone through that, which has helped, uh, that understanding of each other. Uh, but just like home life stuff made it very tricky. Where like, there's one argument that I always bring up when it comes to, oh man, I have some like deep seated resentment uh, when it comes to his support system and stability mm-hmm. that he has in his life. Yeah. We're, we're both people that have dealt with depression. Uh, uh, maybe him more than me in that case as well, just because mm. at least I get to be manic half the time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I have that. Well, is okay. That's <laughs> another, I want, I want you to finish your thought, but yeah. a real quick question that keeps occurring to me and I let it slip. Do you have a middle state that feels, n- I hate to say normal, because I don't, mm-hmm. every a- aspect is a true, genuine aspect of you, but is, you say half and half, do you truly always feel either manic or depressed, or are, this, are there periods where you feel like, uh, the manic depression is not affecting me, I am whatever mood I would be n- normally, yeah. quote unquote? No, because I feel like stability is more of like a vacation for me okay where it's like oh i feel stable this will not be long uh because it's always either one or the other it's like a stopover it's not really like a permanent place uh i don't know if i'll ever bad i'm sorry (laughs) no because the one thing about depression is you can tell when it's there and you can tell when it's gone and sometimes it's there and sometimes it's gone yeah and when it's gone, it's gone, which is really nice. <laughs> the way I describe it to people is, you know, when like a wave pulls back really far, you're like, oh, that's coming back. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's mania and yeah, depression yeah. where it's like, oh man, I'm really depressed. Oh God, I'm about to be really manic. Uh, sure. Or the Are your shoes wet? No, not right now, but a tsunami is coming soon. Yeah. That's why the wave is withdrawing. Yeah. So like anytime I'm really manic, I'm like, oh no, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right around the corner. And so... Whenever I'm stable, I'm like, this is nice, but this is very temporary because it's I I know when I'm there because Mm -hmm. it's so rare that I'll just wake up and be like, oh, my God, I feel like I got to like walk around Pasadena or just do something like quaint and just enjoy this for what it is before it's back in either direction. Uh, And it's that's another thing that's been tough to explain to people, because when I do, then they're like, well, are you are you manic right now? Is this why you're doing this or are you depressed right now? Is this why you're making this choice? And it's like, maybe I'm just making, maybe I am depressed, but maybe I'm just making this choice because this is a choice that I want to make. What is why? It's almost, yeah, yeah. That's almost a useless question philosophically. Yeah. Because you are who you are. Yeah. Or like making that choice. What does it mean? Why? I don't know. I almost wouldn't know how to answer that. Right. It's like, oh, you're a robot and your programming's bad because yeah. you're manic. No, manic depression is part of who I am. Yeah. Or like it's, it's part of my personality. It's yeah. always been there. And so if I make a choice when I'm manic, it's still me. I made that choice. Exactly. I could regret it later when I'm depressed and make I and they would both a lot of be, choices for a lot of reasons. They would both be genuine choices made yep. by me. <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing that I ran into. Just get like 
dealing with people who without realizing it are very infantilizing when they ask like are you just being crazy right now (laughs) yeah and it's like first of all i've done some weird shit when i'm stable so right this is just a forever constant Uh but they they start bringing it up more than i would care for asking Mm -hmm. where things come from and then when i'm honest about it then it's scary and then they go away that sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, like yeah, because that's uh, I think a lot of people who listen to this show will be very familiar with that. Yeah, there is one date if that you, comes to mind. Yeah, like if you let someone know you struggle with an issue and then they use it as a way to dismiss anything that you disagree about. Yep. Like I have met that friend where I'm like, and then I'm like, I didn't really like that movie. Yeah, but you have depression. You were probably just depressed. Oh, okay. So I can't. I can't think I can't of movies. Have an opinion bad, ever right? Again. Yeah. Exactly. And like there's one case where that kept happening. And it was like, you've been telling me that you're sad, too. And I have acknowledged it and have never brought it up again because mine is chemically this is coming up. And it was like a good few dates. And like I I very quickly decide if someone and I are not going to mesh mm-hmm. well or not mm-hmm. uh, just because I know what I like at this point And things had been going great at a certain point, but it also was becoming more and more evident that, uh, he was not equipped to handle certain things. Which again, yeah, is not uh, a failing per se. Yeah. It's not a failing. It's like something you came to realize. Yeah. It's not a the failing end. on them at yeah. all, but there is one date, which made me realize I'm like, man, if you're with me, this is just something that you just have to deal with. And if it's not, I'm sorry. And we were eating and my phone rang and it was my mom. And I was like, Oh God, What's it going to be this time? Because mm-hmm. now, anytime a family member calls me, it's very much just like, oh, what do I got to fix? Mm. And I answer the phone and her tone, and I was like, already I know it was a fix. It wasn't a how you doing, honey, which I get from my mom more than anyone. She and I have a good so relationship. So I was going to say is, do they ever call you when something's not yeah. wrong? Because that's important. Pretty much yeah. just like my mom and one of my brothers and one of my sisters. Sure. But like, that's about. And so like she answered and I was like, all right, this isn't a how you do honey. So I yeah. just excuse myself and I go outside and she's just like, your little brother's in jail again. And I'm like, God damn it. And so I'm handling this, but I can like feel it pushing me mm-hmm. in a certain direction. Yeah. Uh, this was during a date, right? This is during a date. Like he's now, inside with at the table. With your ex or, or with... With a like a currently like a current play in the field trying to date new people cur- yeah. like a new like a, a new, new person. person yeah and I can like see him looking out the window mm. and watch me pacing up and down on the phone and I'm like this and is you can be see a- him not handling it in his eyes yeah, yeah. and I can <laughs> and like I've kind of a little bit warned him about certain things like almost like I'm a gremlin where it's like don't let me watch the graduate I'll start crying and I'll never stop and like make sure I don't have caffeine past 10 or I'll be manic Uh, even if you don't watch the last scene of the graduate even if I don't because if you remove that scene it's a truly triumphant love story where all ends happily ever after okay (laughs) I will like Kevin came home to that once and he was just like what's happening I'm like this is what happens when someone lets me watch the graduate Uh, interesting (laughs) it's just never it's do you know why did it like did you watch it at a formative age do you have a vivid memory one time you watch does it resonate in some particular way yes because i think i feel like mrs robinson and that i'll always be a stopover in someone's life that'll help them grow but i'm never the permanent i'm the stepping stone that's just like oh are you feeling weird over a summer i'm gonna help you become an adult and then i disappear into the ether while you find like a easy nice lady who's much less complicated That and makes sense. Yeah. So you I very and Jen much have a lot in common. <laughs> well, <laughs> like that I was very her, much her to that. early dating. Her concern, 
and I think it's natural because she's a social worker as mm. well, was that she gets with guys, fixes them, and then they leave her because they're like, thanks for fixing yep. me, bye. Yeah. And I was like, well, at least in this case. Or she was always like, I'll just fix you and then you'll leave me. And I'm like, well, you didn't fix me and you're leaving me. So <laughs> wrong on two counts, Jennifer. Both <laughs> yeah. wrong. Yeah. And in my case, I've always just like related to the Mrs. Robinson type character where I'm like, I'm an interesting, I'm an interesting <laughs> plot point in your story. Uh, yeah. Uh, A diversion on the road to the grave. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, it adds to the feeling that I romantically feel like a waiting room magazine mm. and the Mrs. Robin thing, Mrs. Robinson thing really taps into that. that yeah for and sure. so like i had given him that warning and i remember when i said that the look in his eyes i was like oh he's not ready and it's uh, it's just crying it's just watching the graduate yeah. and crying that's but not that heavy like, duty all right like, it's a lot of in- <laughs> but like something i think something about the way i said it to you where i was just like it's gonna open up something you don't want to you don't want to open right now uh because he like suggested watching it uh-huh. and so as soon as I saw that, I was like, and the timer starts. Mm. And then I got the call in the middle of the day and I was like, timer just sped up. And mm. I go inside and I sit down. And he's God, like, what are the odds? He, did he pick the graduate? <laughs> what? He picks the graduate he picks by the chance. He picked the graduate. And I was like, don't Wasn't do this to me. Wasn't meant to be. Don't do yeah. this to me. <laughs> and so I sit down and he's like, so what's going on? And I was like, <sighs> he's like, real just, quick, <laughs> let me put on just the first 10 minutes of up while we talk. Right. And I'm like, I'm just going <laughs> to. Just get this out for you, dude. Um, so my uh, little brother just went to jail and I got to go to Orange County and fix that. And also like my mom got like a weird uh, message. Uh, I'm, I'm like a weird uh, diagnosis thing. So that's another thing that I got to take care of. But first I got to bail out this guy because uh, this is happening. And but I, it's like, going to be hella fine. Hella, hella, hella but fine. But it's like hella chill and hella <laughs> fine. Uh, and uh, he was like, does this kind of thing happen a lot? And I was like, have you heard how much my phone rings? and he's like it's woken me up and i'm like this is all the time and if you want an out here it is and uh he was like i'm not gonna take it and i was like i give you three days and then Mm. three days later it was i think we should see other people which i on the spot i think a lot of people will try and prove you wrong just because in the instinctual moment you want to be they just don't want to be wrong it's not wrong and they want to be like it's uh, Michael Bluth in Arrested Development yep. when his inner monologue is, yes, I am that good a guy. I am that. It's, you want to go like. They all want to be my savior I and it's a lot of work. I'm not the kind of guy who would break it off just because her life is difficult. Three days later. Yeah, I am. I got to get out of here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's all. And I get it. But also like I try and explain like I'm a lot. Uh, Have you ever been with someone who's also a lot? I don't. I, I'm not saying that's the solution. I don't know. I'm just one trying to compare notes. I don't know, because I mean, I've been with people that have their own special sets of baggage, challenges, or whatever. Challenges, yeah. but like I, I know I got a got a lot that I bring with me in my knapsack of feelings and just yeah. general dealings with, especially the phone thing. The phone thing always throws them for a loop, where it's just like it really does yeah, ring the that sheer, much. The sheer quantity is just staggering to people okay oh my god i'll believe it like that like three people in a row commented like that's that's gonna be a problem wow Uh, because we'd be like sitting on the couch and they could just like hear it going through the couch and i'm like yeah that's you're like that's people uh, asking for a lot of spam calls no people i care about very much in crisis who need something from me yep 
All of them? Yes. All different issues. All different people with different issues. Literally yeah. all of them. And <laughs> yeah. these are things that I've just like not set boundaries for and this is just how it goes. And it's it's definitely been adding to the like at this point dating mm-hmm. sober and bipolar, it feels like I'm just laying out a menu of side effects and being like, Can you deal? No? Yeah. I'm sorry. And then it's like your dating pool is limited to the number of people who say yes. Then you get to see if you're a good match. Because yep. just because they can handle doesn't mean someone crying or shrieking doesn't mean you'll also like have the same shared values and enjoy each other's company and yep. shit. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it sounds like it just kind of narrows the playing field. Yeah. And like there's a lot. Uh, about my life's oh sorry no 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 i'm just thinking about my own shit because this just happened with jen uh but i know that i probably won't feel this way later like if things go south and we break up but i think that's a very common impulse my impulse is that's that (laughs) that's just that's enough i don't want to hurt another person this deeply I have a lot of fun doing things not related to sex and love and romance. Yeah. So I like my impulse right now is like, if this doesn't work, yeah, that's that. You that's, know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I've I don't, been too. I can't imagine trying to date again. Like, I, I admire your gumption. I really, I deleted Tinder at my desk today. Cause I was just like, this isn't, I don't want anything to do with this well, right now. Also, this is going to be sound like a weird question, but I know you'll be fine with it. Are you someone like, do you love sex a lot? Do you need sex? I don't know if I need it, but it's something that I do like definitely enjoy. And like, as soon as I'm like single again, like hit the ground. I'm not trying to sound weird. Like I enjoy it as much as it's, of course it's enjoyable. I don't need it anymore. I could be done if I had to be. I will say I can't be done in that direction. And I think it's because. So you're stuck. You have to date. You're fucking stuck. That's what I mean is I realized now that I've had sex enough times that I'm like, I get it. I could be single forever if I had to be. Yeah. Like, because yeah. I've wondered about that because I deleted Tinder just because I was like tired of that aspect of it. And like, too many factors in my head just had me wondering, like, well, I don't know if I ever want to like allow a person to get this close again and then hurt them as much as I have. Mm. And uh, I'm also learning a lot of things about my lifestyle, uh, make a lot of dead ends for a lot of people. Where it's like, I'm not around that much. And also, I can't have kids. So if that's something that you want, mm. that's out the window as well. And it's it's realizing that now that I'm 27, I'm dating at the age where people are now thinking about forever stuff. Because when I was 22, people were just thinking about, you know. Right, right, right. Temporary. And now people are thinking about more permanent things. And, like, there was someone that I actually, like, did care about and consider yeah. in that direction. And they let me know there were way too many factors about me that. They can't t- handle not yeah. just can't handle it took away a lot of options of things they really wanted out of life sure. like they wanted kids and they wanted the family thing in the way and even though it was like early they're like that's not something you want nor can even give and they were at an age they were older than me they were at an sure. age where they're like that i, I feel can't. my clock ticking or whatever exactly Fine. and they're just like Fine. It's it, everyone's you know, like, prerogative exactly but like that was the thing where i'm like maybe this adopt, is it maybe I, I, yeah exactly I and that made me think maybe this is Maybe I'm just like someone that has people around for a little bit for like a convenience and body warmth thing. And then they just like disappear for a bit. And I always bring it back to this thing that I wrote down uh, literally the night of my most recent breakup, which is 
I kind of feel like an interesting idea for a lot of people until they realize all that comes with it. Hmm. Like I have really bright blue hair and that's a big, it's, it doesn't seem like it, but it's a big commitment. I've had this hair for like mm-hmm. six years now. Sure. It's something that involves a lot of maintenance and care. And it also stains everything. Like if you oh. look in my apartment, it's on my pillows, it's on the back of my couch, it's on my walls, it's on my towels, I it's on my clothes. I haven't looked closely enough, but I believe you. you. Like if you go through my closet, it's yeah. on the back of everything. Oh, if you sure. Go, All your my collars. tub is yeah. blue. Everything I own is blue. And dabba dee, dabba dee. Dabba dee, dabba dee. And so that kind of means that if you want me around in a lot of ways, I'm going to stain a lot of your stuff. And <laughs> whether it's like in a physical way or sure. I just kind of like seep into it, you will know I'm there. Oh, I see. You're getting symbolic now. This is, you mean, yep. yeah, not just the hair. It's not just she's, an interesting, pretty thing to look at. She's doing a writer thing, you guys. <laughs> it's not just an interesting, pretty thing to look at. It permeates. It well, sticks course, around. Well, of course, you're a fucking human person. You can't have a relationship yep. without being, yeah, and impacted by one another. They can change their sheets. And mm. they can paint over that wall and pretend those stains never existed. Yeah. But I have to live with them. You can shave your head. True. I'm, I'm a being think about <laughs> purposely <it>. obtuse. <laughs> yes, agreed. And a, I think about yes. shaving my head all the time. Apt analogy. But there's something about knowing that people can just like paint over what used to be me. Mm-hmm. And I have to look at the same stains and be like, well, I live here and this is my space. Yeah. But somewhere out there, somebody doesn't want to think about my blue stain on their pillowcase anymore. And they just got a new pillowcase and that's that. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's like. I know it looks interesting and I know it looks fun, but it's a big commitment. Are you sure? Be aware that I'm a human person. Yeah. Not just blue hair, which is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, of course. I'm a human. I'm a human person. And like, I know a lot of it looks interesting and I know a lot of it, it like it leans into that manic pixie thing where it's like manic, very literal here. Sure. Where it's like, oh, she could be fun and her apartment's quirky and she dresses weird and she seems fun. And it's like, yeah. there's, but the movie There's so version much more that comes that, with this. Right, is always <laughs> like, oh, Natalie Portman cried when she saw that flower. Yeah. she That's her mental illness. It's cute. <laughs> it's cute. It's adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As opposed to like, hey, sometimes I might not be able to get out of bed or sometimes you might mm-hmm. not be able to reach me because I just might fly off in a certain direction. That's what I was going to ask. How the hell do you keep... Because having only depression, it is already a struggle, definitely more than drinking. To meet deadlines, Mm -hmm. to keep work up. The depression is more of a challenge than being wasted, honestly. Yeah. Um, But I feel like if you're coming off a manic episode into a depressive episode, the relative drop, how do you do work still? Do you work when you're depressed or do you just do all your work when you're manic and then stop when you're depressed? Yep. Wait to be manic again and catch up. That's exactly what it is. All right. Okay. Mania lets me play catch up, but it also... uh, it's like having a shitty roommate that like makes a bunch of plans for you and like starts mm-hmm. half building bookshelves and like <laughs> starts boiling water, but then just leaves the room. <laughs> yeah. And then you come in exhausted and you're just like, I have to finish so many things. Who started all of this? Yeah. And that's kind of like when they work hand in hand where it's like, well, I'm ahead, but there's an insurmountable amount of it for I even got, someone not depressed. I got manic and landed this huge job. Now I'm depressed yeah. and I have to do the job. Yeah. yeah it's way worse. So much oh. constantly. And it's, 
it's a lot for me and for other people coming into it it's it's almost like they just kind of like open the door and peek in and, and they just like see someone juggling chainsaws and it's like you want some of this and then they just close the door <laughs> but is that new is that a new dating strategy to just try to be like because i think that makes sense especially yeah. as we get older is to be like uh i'm just gonna pop 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 tell them everything yeah my new so strategy has just been real shit. up front Right, because I do think it's true that you are limiting the dating pool somewhat <laughs> if you demand that you want to be with someone who can handle all your shit, which you <laughs> deserve. So you got to you gotta pop through a lot of lottery tickets. Like you got to yep. scratch a lot of scratchers quickly now yeah. to get to the, yeah. And that's also on its own very emotionally draining. And like, I just don't want to waste anyone's time. Sure. And I also realized in the past whenever I was manic and I was interested in someone, I would try and mold myself to them. Mm. Uh, Is that where, well, you grew up in Orange County, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's just childhood shit. I was like, did you date some OC bro that imprinted on you forever? Like a gypsy curse? (laughs) Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But also like, you shall be chill forever, bro. This is my curse on you. Yeah. (laughs) That is forever. Like, it's also a big growing up aspect, but like, for a long time, it was, I like you, so now I'm going to try to mirror you mm-hmm. and hope that that works. And I would lose a lot of my identity in the price process. So now, and I don't know if it's working or if it's going to work or if it's just disastrous, it's, mm-hmm. here's everything I am on the table. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a good strategy, but I don't it, know. It's, yeah, very, it it's very much good. just like emptying my toolbox and being like, logical. there it is. Yeah. It feels... I, it sounds logical, but I feel like it comes off like Ali Sheedy dumping her purse on some guy's lap and being like, this right. is all my shit. Because you're also like, what if that was someone who could handle it, but not all at once on the first day? Exactly. But then if you drip it out like a little drip, you're like, I'm wasting their time. They don't. I should. Yep. I, I know it's going to come up. Why don't I just tell them the things? Yeah. Yeah. This is why I'm not going to do it. <laughs> this is why I'm like slowly trying to. A, pull out of it, and B, just wonder, like, maybe I am, like, maybe not, like, the Clooney type, but, like, the, oh, hello, visitor. Sure. <laughs> I'm just going to adopt two kids cabin. and make them cook for me. That's, Basically, that's my plan. I've been looking up hypoallergenic cats more than I have in my entire life. Well, I'm get I'm, was, like. If we if if we break up, I'm getting a dog. <laughs> like that's just immediately <laughs> happening. Yeah. Yeah. I and I don't even have like I'd feel bad getting a dog because it's like what if I'm too sad to take you out or sure. I am also like busy all the Oy. time. So Oy. with a cat, it's like well if I'm sad, you could just eat my body. And you like, don't. Yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't even feel a whit of of pain. Yeah. You'd be like, I will eat your face now. Or it's like <laughs> this is the trade off. Uh, we agreed. Cats. All right. Well, that's about time. I want to close on a real whopper of a question. Because I know you as a friend, and you're always chipper and pleasant to be around. Yep. How fake is that? And how much anguish does it cause you to be on when you're like around it's us exhausting. and our mutual friends? Is it? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's like, I'd say it is a clean 50-50 fake. Okay. Uh, like 50% of the time, I am that chipper. And I feel like I'm almost like, hyper chipper because i've experienced just like so much deep tragedy that everything else just kind of rolls off my back uh i get well i'm sorry if it's connected to the mania and i don't mean it in a bad way it would be a compliment in any other context but yeah 
you do feel like someone who enjoys life like or or at times <laughs> i'm like part of the reason i was like vanessa's cool man we got to hang out more is you're a bullion and make jokes and are full of life and enjoy yeah. things and i'm like is that all fake or is it all from mania um, i'd say like are we exhausting you would you rather just be silent and sad because you could be that we'd still like you well the nice thing <laughs> is whenever i'm silent and sad i've gotten pretty good at being like i need to retreat uh, so you, so it's true that you don't want people to see you like that unless it's not like your partner or a family yeah member. generally okay. i'm very weird about people seeing me like that and i think it because it adds to the i don't feel useful kind of thing if i'm like just silent and sad mm-hmm. uh and so like half the time i'd say when i'm that chipper i actually am that chipper because a lot of the awful things have made me like enjoy truly a lot of the good things where it's like all right no one's in jail I'm not really thinking about how much debt I'm in and I've had like a really good meal today. So let's go for a lovely walk. And then the other half is like, maybe I can convince myself that things are fine. Right. And, but it's coming, but it's right. But it's not here yet. Can we enjoy this fucking moment for a second? And I feel very responsible for other people's feelings. So the second somebody's like, Oh my God, are you okay? It's like, Oh God, I'm so sorry. You even had to like acknowledge that I was sad for a second. So I'm going to like, Pump it up Me a little too, bit and then we do the dancing do clown that. thing. We shouldn't. I, that's then, part of the reason everyone thinks that they're the only one who's struggling. Yeah, cause because then it's not coming off authentically. Society has taught us. Go home. Do that at home, please. Exactly. Yeah, like, I'm robbing my friends of getting of to know partner. me authentically. Yeah. And I'm not letting people get to know who I am. And that's not fair to me or anyone else. Absolutely. And uh I, I still haven't like learned how to master the art of being sad in front of someone else. Cause even post breakup, the amount of times I'd be like, <laughs> actually literally three days ago with a on again, off again, old flame, mm-hmm. uh, they'd caught me crying. But as soon as they caught me all smiles, and it was just like joking, but then the tears wouldn't stop. And I can't imagine how so insane you look like a, like a horror demon. Like, like in a horror movie, like, you would turn a corner and suddenly see someone smiling with tears running down. Their like eyes. the woman yeah. saying, "Like no, 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 no," and, like and get out, like yeah. or hereditary, like yeah. that. Where like, call me crying. Yeah. I was just like, "Oh man, your cat just did the cutest thing." And, uh, and he's like, "Come <laughs> the fuck off it." Yeah. yeah, or like just like trying to, but like that is going. Yeah, and uh, he's like, "What's going on there?" And I'm like, "Sometimes it starts and I can't stop it, but it's fine." Anyways, uh, did you want to like check out that pancake place around the corner? And he's like, "What is?" This. yeah you can't don't gloss you're glossing now yeah, yeah you're just gonna as i'm just like ignore going this on crap. Yeah, throughout yeah. the day and just like wiping the tears and being like this is fine let's go check out that pancake place the just trailer for about. the graduate played on a commercial it's no big deal yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> literally what had happened was i just saw how many text messages i had and it just started uh, the sheer responsibility where it was of, just like yeah. oh 56 missed text messages <clears throat> yep, and then yeah and I like turned around into the smile and I'm like, I am way too good at this performance now. Cause yes. I hit, this is now what was already a cry for help just became like a scream for help. Yeah. <laughs> like smiling. You're not that and good crying. if you can't stop that. You got to learn to control those ducts. Like just clamp them up, clamp I, them off. The issue was that he <laughs> caught me when it started. Cause if he caught uh-huh. me when it was starting, I could have just been like <laughs> allergies. And well, like, yeah. Blinked and held your head back and, and then just like turned away yeah. from it. Yeah. But the fact that it already started, it's like, I short circuited and 
<laughs> the computer was like, put both modes into action. Oh, boy. And they just happened at the same time. <laughs> it's like if a Chuck E. Cheese robot, like, started playing two songs at once. <laughs> yeah. Except in this case, it was just, like, mania and depression while I'm like, anyways, I'm going to try the Thai tea pancakes. Those sound great. They're not. Wait, what? Are you talking about BBs? I'm talking about BBs. They're not great. Yeah. They or weren't. do you do you love them? Because I tried them. They're and fine. Not, I don't. I think. All right. They're fine. But they're what I was like just harping on. <laughs> the other thing about BBs. The, now this is how you know we're beyond time because we're just talking yep. L.A. local shit. L.A. pancakes. BBs, the pancakes. Yes. Yeah. Everything else is good garbage yeah like i went there and got pancakes but also scrambled eggs coffee and bacon and each item was like oh my god this is disgusting and then the pancakes are the best thing you've ever had The pancakes like any of their griddle items yeah magnificent just get the baked shit at bb's and that's really the message that tales from the pit is all about just get pancakes well vanessa thank you for sharing a Maybe a genuine facet of yourself, or at least a very convincing performance <laughs> of a simulacrum of yourself. Yeah. Um, I enjoy spending time with you. So whatever you're faking, keep faking it, <laughs> and we'll have fun times. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, dude. It's gonna be chill. It's gonna be and hella chill. Out there, uh, get a grip of, of self care, and and it'll be tight. Be real sick. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Tales from the Pit. And I just want to pause the proceedings very momentarily uh, to let you know, in case you don't yet, that we're hard at work on our brand new web series, Off Hours, which is going to be a show about four friends dissecting pop culture and film, uh, written by, edited, directed by, and starring uh, a lot of your favorite small beans people and X cracked people. So if you're interested in learning more about the show or how to support our efforts to put it together and get it off the ground, you can find all that information at patreon.com slash small beans. I also just want to ask you again, cause we haven't done it in a long while and everyone completely stopped to please give the small beans podcast feed five stars on iTunes, or maybe write us a nice little review. Uh, or whatever podcast platform you prefer, but mainly iTunes.